because of your kindness, in one day last year, we are feeding 1,307 children every day. 1,307 children today will have meals because we opened our heart one day last year. Again, next weekend is our one-day offering, and we want you to prayerfully consider whatever God lays on your heart to do. And whatever God lays on your heart, that will be enough. Just be prepared to join us in this cause because I believe it's close to the heart of Jesus. And this series that we're in, Kindness, is reminding us of the power of kindness. In fact, if you have your Westover app, I'm going to invite you to open it right now or go to Luke chapter number 10. And we're calling this an all-together series. All of together, students and kids and kids' ministry, everyone on this campus is studying the same story, the same account from the Bible, the same subject matter. So we want you today with your students, with your kids, throughout this week to have a conversation about kindness. We're living in a world right now where it seems like to be unkind is to be in vogue. In fact, if somebody calls you a Mr. Nice Guy, that's really not a compliment. Somehow we have drifted to become an abrasive culture, whether on social media or just in the hallways and the shopping centers or in the office. We have just drifted to be something that's, that's anti-Scripture. And I'm calling on Christ followers. Let's lead the way in setting a culture of kindness. This weekend, I want to talk about kindness steps in. Kindness steps in. I have two brothers. I have a brother older and a brother younger. We're about a year and a half apart, all three of us. And when we were boys, occasionally mom would bake a dessert. Mom would have cake. And it was always a grand time when you're a kid if you could have dessert. And I can remember when, when mom would slice up the cake and she would bring us our desserts and set it before us. But there was kind of a rule among us boys, before you eat your cake, you had to compare it to your brother's cake. And we would, we would look at the cake, and we were very good at determining if, if any one of us got a larger piece of cake than the other brother. And there was a rule in our, uh, among the brothers that if anyone got a larger piece of cake, you couldn't eat your cake until you sliced off that amount, and that amount was divided into three portions among us. Uh, am, I the, am I the only one that ever did? Our, our, you know, that's just the way we did it in the home. Why do I share with this? Here it is. Kindness doesn't squabble over the size of cake. Kindness just makes a bigger cake. I want to invite every one of us. Don't, don't complain on how you were mistreated. It was unfair Someone didn't do for you. They brought tacos for all the other co-workers, but they didn't bring a taco for you. I want you to forget that. Kindness, it doesn't squabble over the size of cake. Kindness will just bake a bigger cake. God's Word calls us to be people of kindness. And I believe the Holy Spirit is going to personalize this today. There is a relationship there is something in your life that if you responded and ministered kindness to it, God could turn it around. It's that brother-in-law that just robs you wrong. It's that co-worker that you are so thankful when you don't even have to see them that particular day. In fact, you pray, God give them the flu so they don't come out today. I mean, I mean we, can, we can just get caught into that. 
I'm, I'm saying there's a relationship, there's a connection. It could even be in the home you're at. There's a strain, there's a, 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 a hurt. That kindness can make a difference. Now, many of us think that kindness is kind of that naive, wishy-washy, you know, that, that it, it, it just kind of that weak, that weak idea, the idea that if you're kind, you're a doormat. That's not what the Bible teaches us. In fact, I want to suggest to us, kind is the toughest four-letter word you'll ever live by. When, when somebody cuts you off, when you don't feel like you've got your just deserved, when you don't feel like that you've gone this, the extra mile and, and somebody hasn't done good by you, being kind, that's the toughest word you'll ever try to implement in your life. Do you know they tell us, a study from the University of Toronto, that, that people who are kind in their marriage have half the divorce rate of other couples? Just being congenial. It will inoculate your marriage against divorce. Moreover, they did a study on, on doctors, doctors that were sued and doctors that were not sued. And they were determined, what was it about the doctors that were not sued and those who were sued? What determined the difference? And the only common denominator they found was doctors that were not sued spent on average three minutes more with each patient just talking to them, just listening, expressing a listening ear. What I'm saying is kindness makes a difference. And I, I, I put before us for consideration, actions are seeds that are watered by attitude. Actions are seeds that are watered by attitude. And somebody this week is going to try to plant a seed in your garden, your heart. A seed of anger, a seed of resentment, a, a, a seed of bitterness, and then they're going to water it by attitude, and then your attitude picks it up, and it just begins to mull it over. It's the person that walks in in the workplace and said, didn't that upset you? What, what, what are you talking about? Well, that's what happened to you, that coworker, that boss. Well, you know, I never thought about it till now. Well, yeah, well, if I felt that they did to me, I'd feel that way. And then all of a sudden you're saying, you know what? It does bother me now that you bring it up. Now, now, now that you brought it to my attention, yeah, I, I, I am a little resentful of that. And the seed was planted, and then attitude begins to water it. You know, a bad attitude is like germs. Yeah? You go around germs, and the next thing you know, you're coughing, and you have the same ailment as they have. And bad attitude is like that. You get around people with a bad attitude in the office, it just affects you. You can just drive into the parking lot, and all of a sudden you can feel just kind of just like your spirit is de depleted, deflated. Yes, it's germs. You said you're sick of people. You've got that illness. You've got that germ has got inside of you. Uh, you, you, you can have coworker-itis. You just get around. Have you ever had an allergy to in-laws? You know what I'm talking about? Just the thought of your in-laws coming, you get a migraine. You just say, oh, I dread this. An attitude, a bad attitude is like, is like a germ. It just, it just infects you, and it, 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 it just kind of gets into our spirit. Kindness, however. Kindness, if you ever really taste kindness, you, you, you'll, you'll, you'll move away from just being polite and nice. Stay with me. 
Now, there's nothing wrong with being polite and nice. But you can be polite and nice and not be kind. Polite and nice, that's the front we put on. That salesperson that you say they're so nice, they went to a seminar to learn that. Then when you walked in the door, they put on the smile, and you don't even know what they were thinking for you. They, they were rolling their eyes on the insides. Here they come. Here comes another one right now. But the moment you arrive, they've been trained to put on the nice. But that's, that's, not how, that's not how we're to be. Kindness goes to our core. You know, the Bible does not say God is either polite or nice because it's a front. Uh, God says, the Bible says God is kind. God is, God is loving to his core. And God wants us to be at our very core kind and if you ever get a taste of true kindness kindness from the spirit that it's a genuine attitude you won't be satisfied with anything else do you know if you if you ever eat homemade flan you can never have that little cup of vanilla pudding again you know i'm talking about you get the grocery store and you kind of peel the label of the the top of it off if you ever have homemade flan, you will not be satisfied with packaged vanilla pudding again. If you taste that, that sweet, that genuine, you'll recognize I need something better. Not being nice. Somebody can be nice to you, but they'll only be nice as long as you carry over their agenda. But the moment you don't carry their agenda, they change on you. The difference is God has called us to be kind. And by admonishment today, let's step into kindness. Now, we're going to look in the, the Gospel of Luke chapter 10. It's the account of the Good Samaritan. Now, we reminded you last week, this is, some people believe it's a parable, but it's inter interesting, Jesus didn't call it a parable. It could be a parable, maybe an actual account. Probably it was an actual account because Jesus said there was a certain man. Now, the whole account of this scripture is an answer to a question that a teacher of the law, an expert of the law, asked Jesus. He asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? And Jesus answers that question. When Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, he said, I'm going to tell you who your neighbor is. Then he says, there was a certain man. And the account is, there was a Jewish man. And he left the city of Jerusalem. He was going down to Jericho. And on the road to Jericho, he was accosted by marauders, thieves, and bandits. And they beat him up, stripped him of all, his, of, all of his treasure, of, of every possession he had, and left him, the Bible said, half dead, wounded. Then a Samaritan came along. Now, to appreciate the story, you have to understand the tension. There was, there was ethnic ethnic conflict between the Jewish people and the Samaritans. In fact, the Bible is going to say a despised Samaritan. There was conflict here. There, there, there was a, uh, s s such a conflict between the two uh, races of the Jews and the, the Samaritans. Jewish people would not even go in the region would not be caught in the region of Samaria to look down on them. And there was corresponding hostility and disrespect towards the Jewish people from, from the Samaritans. And Jesus sets this story as a way to tell us and show us how we can be kind. Which brings me to verse number 
uh, 33 and 34 of the text, and I'm going to invite you to read with me, and we're going to just kind of mine from these two verses. It says, And then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man who had been beaten and left half dead, he had he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put him on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. And from these two verses, I want to share with us four ways of stepping into kindness. Stepping into kindness, four insights from these two verses. The first insight on stepping into kindness is you've got to, you've got to step out of an offense. He was able to step into kindness by stepping out of an offense. The Bible tells us in verse number 33, a despised Samaritan. There was hostility between these two people groups. And, and no doubt the Samaritan felt like he, he, he had every justification to not give the Jewish man the time of day. No doubt he remembered the time he was insulted, the time that he was overlooked. Maybe he was in a place and he was not served because he was a Samaritan. There was, there was just this long, long embittered hostility between them. But in order to be kind, we have to step out of our offense. Has somebody been rude to you? Has somebody offended you? Did somebody insult you? Did somebody wound your spirit? I'm here to invite you to step out of your offense. Don't live in it. The Samaritan, he was despised, but this day he determined, no longer am I going to carry that offense. I understand sometimes coming home from work, you've had a tough time, it's been a tough week. All of us need permission to kind of vent. You ever come home and you say, I just need to vent. And you tell the, the distress, the problems, and the, what happened at work, and this was unfair. That's all right occasionally, but don't do that every day. The, if you come home from the work every day and vent, have you ever noticed you start inventing things? Have you ever noticed that? You know what? I bet they were, and I bet they meant to, and I bet they. And all of a sudden, you start assigning Modi that maybe have not been there. I notice when I vent, I start inventing. And Denise will tell me, it's not that bad. It's really not that bad. How do you know? Well, I just believe that. And she said, you can't do that. I will, I will vent, and then I'll find myself inventing. And I, I just let it get bigger than it is. I need to step out of my offense. Occasionally, my wife Denise will tell me, it's time to take out the garbage. She said, there's a foul smell here in the kitchen, and we need to get rid of this. So I'll get the garbage bag, and I'll tie it up, and I'll carry it out to the garage and put it in the garbage can and come back. And Denise said, I still smell it. Did you take out the trash? Yes, I did. And found out the bag leaked, and it's in the bottom of the trash can. So I take the kitchen trash can out, and I take a hose, and I take a sponge, and I clean it out. Here's what I'm saying. Sometimes, sometimes stuff leaks. Yeah. Could it be that really it's not your son you're upset with? Just some of the stresses and the distresses of life have leaked into the home. That all day long in the workplace, 
All day long, you, you just kind of kept your cool and you bring it home and it leaks out into the family. Could it be the conflict you're having with your son right now has nothing to do with him? Perhaps it has more to do with a germ of a bad attitude that got into our spirit. Step out of the offense. Throw away the scorecard. Yes. When you talk with your spouse... Don't say, and I have the evidence. I've written it down here and here and here and here and here and here and here. And we keep scorecards, don't we? Yeah, we all do that. We all do that. I'm here to invite you to step out of that. Don't, don't keep score of the other person's offense. In Jewish culture, there was a word, shalom. Shalom means peace. Denise and I have been to the Holy Land several times. In fact, we're taking a group a march of next year, and we'll tour the Holy Land, and, and they're going to discover something. When a, when a Jewish person walks up, it's not uncommon for them to say, Shalom, peace. And then when the conversation's over and you're walking away, they say, Shalom. You see, Shalom is both a greeting and a farewell, and it's teaching us a lesson. Whether you're walking into it, declare peace. And when you're walking out of it, declare, declare peace. When you turn off the light and you walk out of that workplace, when there may have been conflict, there may have been difficulties, declare peace. Have the conversation with your son. Sit down and, 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 and begin to, to discuss it and come to an understanding. But if there's not an understanding, don't leave it in conflict. Declare peace. Don't live in conflict. And we sometimes just need to say over the matter, it's peace time. I'm going to declare it. I remember one time there was this uh, single mom that met me in the altar and the moment I met her down, she just began to cry, and she put, her, she put her head on my shoulders. She said, my husband walked out. I've got a child, and I don't know what I'm going to do. And it just she, she had done everything. He just said, I, I'm just not happy, and I just need to find something. Just, I need to find myself. And she just began, how am I going to pay the bills, and how am I going to do this? And, and she just, we prayed together and believed God, and Time after time, I would see her in the altars, and she just determined, I'm not going to carry that conflict. And I remember the time she came to me in the altar with her, with her daughter, and she said, I have just got the job, and I'm going to be making six figures. And her daughter was standing right there, and she told her daughter, God was faithful to me. And I'm going to be able to send you to college. I walked through the darkest season, the toughest time of life. And she was saying, I didn't live in it. That was an example. She decided not to live in that conflict. She stepped out of it. Oh, it was a dark season. It was difficult. But I watched her pour her grief out at the altar. And the Holy Spirit would lift the load from her. There were times the Holy Spirit just came in with the bolt cutters and set her free from the dilemma. And she would walk out with enough grace to take her through one more week step out of the offense number two i share with us stepping into kindness means taking a bold step take a bold step the bible says in verse number 34 and going to him the samaritan could have walked away he was despised he had every right he could have justified it if i stop 
somebody comes by, they'll blame me. They know there's hostility between the Jews and the Samaritan. Somebody may blame me, but he took a bold step. He went over to him. Is there a situation, is there a strained relationship that if you took a bold step, it can make the difference? Was, was something left where there was an insult hurled? Was there a word used, an accusation, and that has wounded your spirit, that has fractured that working relationship, maybe even between you and your spouse? Is it time to take a bold step? You see, kindness always calls us out of our comfort zone. Kindness calls us to move past the hurt, the anger, the offense. See, if I'm kind to people who are kind to me, that's just reciprocation. But if I'm kind to somebody that's unkind to me, that's genuine kindness. That's what Jesus meant when he said, pray the prayer like this, forgive me my offense as I forgive those who have offended me. Yes, take a bold step. But you see, I, I didn't do the wrong thing. They owe me an apology. I'm willing to do it. If they come and apologize, could you take a bold step? Could you move past that? Divorcee, come out of hibernation. That rejection, the, the, the pain, the, 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 the rejection is, 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 is so far deep in you. It's controlling your friendships and your relationships today. Take a bold step. Maybe you did nothing wrong, but forgive them and you'll be healed. It'll set you free. Number three. Stepping into kindness means stepping it up. Stepping it up. It's found there in verse 34. Notice this. The Samaritan, he not just went over to him. He, the Samaritan, soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine. It was medicinal value. All the wounds on him, just, he began to apply that ointment to him. Yes, it was like an like an antiseptic just to it, just begin to apply it. And then the Bible says, and, and bandaged them. And what we can realize from the text, those were supplies the Samaritan had packed for himself. He packed those, those supplies in case he needed it. But there was a moment in which something inside of him, and not only did he, did he take a bold step, he realized that this man was wounded, so he stepped it up. As it were, he, he took it a little further. You see, the size of the cake you take is determined by the size of the cake you bake. How you do it. Here's, here's the words of Jesus. With what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. Whether good or bad, you extend grace and grace will come back to you. Extend and sow into it understanding. And guess what? Understanding will come back to you. And there are times we just need to go to a new level of kindness. Breakthrough rarely comes at the present level. You say, I've done what I should do, pastor, and it's not working. Then redouble your efforts. 
What can you do to take it to another level? What can you do to go a little further? Occasionally when I introduced myself, for those who remember back several years ago, there was, there was a miler. You remember Jim Ryan, the miler? Famous runner. And I'll introduce myself. Hi, I'm Jim Ryan. And somebody will say to me occasionally, are you Jim Ryan, the miler? And I always say, no, I'm Jim Ryan that goes the extra mile. That's, that's, the, that's, that's the Jim Ryan I am. And that's, I, that's, what, that's who I want to be. I want, I want to be the extra miler. I want to be known as the pastor that extended grace. I want to be known as the pastor that just in the worst moments could just pour grace and understanding in people's heart. Go the extra mile. In what area could you step it up? Could you send a text that could, that could just disarm it and, and pick the right emoji, you know? Yeah. The email, the, the phone call. Could you walk by that person's workplace or office and just extend grace? Maybe there's, there's just this unwritten rule, you guys don't get along, and maybe you'll never be best friends, but could you just minister kindness to it? Are you estranged right now with your spouse? Are you walking through the house and it's one and two word answers and conversations between you and your spouse because it's strained and you go back to a moment and a situation and there was never understanding and it drove a wedge between you and your spouse? How about right now stepping it up? How about, how about determining that you're not going to talk about it anymore, that, that offense, that, that, that anger point? And begin to rehearse the good things. What about getting your, your wedding album out and turning the pages over and saying, this is why I fell in love with you. This is why I fell in love with you. And, and begin to rehearse the good things. There's an area perhaps you could step it up and you could go that extra mile. If God's prompting you, if God, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, that could be God's moment and God's strategy to turn that around. For you see, I believe that when the Samaritan walked up to the Jewish man and poured the ointment upon the wounds, and as he began to wrap the bandages around the wounds, as he was bandaging him, God healed the offense in the Samaritan. That as he bandaged him, the offense, the, the reprimand, the tension between he and the Jewish people was lifted. God healed him. If you'll minister grace to them, God will heal you. If you'll pour into them, God will touch your heart. And number four, stepping into kindness, the Samaritan, by doing so, he was taking a sacrificial step. Taking sacrificial steps. Notice the latter part of verse number 34. And then the Bible says, and then he put the man on his own donkey. Did you ever notice that? He put the, the wounded man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. It was a sacrificial step. He took his supplies 
and he bandaged the Jewish man, the, the one he had an offense at. And then the Bible says he put him on his own donkey. When you put him on your own donkey, guess what? It means you walk. You no longer ride. I'm talking about a sacrificial step. The moment he put that man on his donkey, that meant he had to walk. And I remind you what it says in this story. They came down from Jerusalem. In other words, the road back is going to be uphill. Going to have to go uphill. It's not going to be an easy walk. He's going to have to walk, and the wounded man is on his donkey, and you're going to have to go uphill. I don't know about you. I'd rather walk downhill than uphill. How about you? Yeah. It's easier walking down the steps than it is walking up the steps, right? Oh, yeah. Who wants to climb several, several steps, several floors? Yes. Who wants to go several miles uphill? I don't want to. I remember when, when our daughter still lived at home. She lived upstairs. Denise and I lived downstairs. Her bedroom was upstairs. Denise would do the laundry. And Denise would fold her towels. And Denise would take the towels and the laundry, and she'd set them on the first step of the stairs. And Denise said, she can take them. I'm not going up and down. All She's grown. She can take care of and do this herself. I get that. I don't want to, I don't want to carry something up steps. I don't want to have to do the climb. But the Samaritan did. He was willing to walk, and he was willing to walk uphill, a sacrificial step. You see, next weekend is a sacrificial step moment. It's one day to feed the world. Taking one day your offering or your wages, and you say, I'm going to. I'm going to take that sacrificial step and I'm going, to, I'm going to feed kids in Africa and Latin America. I'm going to feed people that are, that are victims of poverty and injustice. I'm, I'm going to reach out to those who have no social network and system to support them. I'm going to make a difference and it's a sacrificial step. And God calls us at moments to these sacrificial moments. Maybe you feel like you've done everything you could and should do. You may feel justified in not talking to them. You, you may feel justified in, in, in letting the strain continue because you were done wrong. But right now, could you take a sacrificial step and make a difference? Is kindness calling you to do something greater than you've ever done before? In a moment when we pray, I believe the Holy Spirit is identifying an area that you can step out of the offense and you can take a sacrificial step, go above and beyond the call of duty, pour grace and understanding in an offended area, in a strained relationship. I want to tell you a story. I don't, I don't tell this story to it all bring, please understand, it's not to bring attention to Denise and I, but I think it just magnifies what I'm about to, what I'm telling you in this message. A few years ago, Denise and I determined one year we were going to give our Christmas away. Yeah, because every year we, we, we go through this conversation. It happens every year. What do you want for Christmas? I don't know. I haven't thought about it. Well, what do you want? I don't know. How about I get you a purse? I have so many purses. I don't need a purse. 
How about get you a shirt? I got shirts that I can't wear right now. Well, what do, you, what do you want? We go back and forth trying to determine what we're going to get each other for Christmas. And I remember one Christmas I said, hey, babe, what if I give you all of last year's sermons that I preached on CD? And I give that to you as a gift so you can hear me all year long when you're driving. She said, no, thank you. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? She didn't want that. Hmm. This year we were going back and forth and we decided this year, this year, that particular year, we were going to give our Christmas away. So we decided what we would normally spend. We said, okay, that's the budget. And we're not going to give each other a gift. We're going to give Christmas away. And we found a single mom. And she needed a clothes dryer. She had a good washing machine, but her, her clothes dryer went out. She had two teenage boys. That means she came home from work and she had to feed the boys and she was a taxi service taking them everywhere they need to go for their sports and their activities. And after all of that, at the end of the day, she would have to do laundry, then put the wet laundry in a laundry basket. And at night, she would go to the laundry mat to dry the clothes. And Denise and I gave her a brand new clothes dryer. And then we gave her her no it's not it's not for us we we gave her boys fifty dollars each and they said oh for us for us what can we do and you don't do anything for us you're not going to do anything we want to do this we want to bless you merry christmas this is for you can i tell you that story of christmas denise and i still remember we can be driving down the road we will retell that, and it warms our heart. I'm talking about sacrificial steps. It warms our hearts. But the other Christmas gifts, can I just, I don't know off the cuff what she gave me two years ago or three years ago. I, 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 I can't remember it. But we remember that the Christmas we gave away, we remember. I have bought my wife Christmas gifts, and then two years later, it's on the table at the garage sale. Yeah, yeah. And it has a $5 price on it. And she said, I won't turn down $2 if they'll give it. And I shot for that and bought it. What I'm saying is the Christmas that we gave away is really the Christmas that we remember the most. And there comes a moment that if you'll just make a sacrificial step you'll go further than you've ever gone before it will heal you and it will release joy every salesperson you know what i'm about to say if you're in sales you know this you know what i'm a, you, 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 you'll 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 latch on to this your next paycheck is in somebody else's bank account you get that i've got to make the sale and that i've got to get out of their bank account something so it becomes my next paycheck. Could I say, could I say your next blessing is locked up in somebody else's conflict? That if you could just release kindness, then God could shower abundance in your life. It's going to take a stepping out of the fence. 
taking a bold step, stepping it up, and then sometimes it requires that sacrificial step. But in the end, you win. In the end, God is glorified. Step into kindness. I'm going to pray. What area is the Holy Spirit talking to you? What is he saying to you? Is that that coworker? That you're, you're in your heart, the, the Lord is speaking to you. You've done everything you could and should do, but the Holy Spirit is saying, go the extra mile. Is it in the family? Is there strain between you and your spouse? Is there something that's just, is there an offense that's just there and you need to, you need to take that step and you need to, you need to minister to it? How about step parents? Step parents, if you feel like you've done what you should do, but you've been wounded by the statement, you're not my real mom and dad, is that, is that, is that weight heavy in your heart? Hmm. And you're carrying that, and because of that, you've withdrawn. Perhaps you built a wall of defense towards them. Is God, is God speaking to you about ministering to that? You can make that commitment today and let God begin the healing process in your life. I, I'm asking you to put before the Lord the, the conflict, the strain that you've identified and the Holy Spirit has identified and pour kindness into it. Let's pray. Father, at this moment, all of us have something that we carry something that has wounded us or an offense we've carried that is stealing our joy it's robbing our worship has brought tension into our home has brought conflict in the workplace where we're at and sometimes the only way to get beyond it is just to baptize it with kindness to go above and beyond to go that extra mile and I pray that right now. I pray over step-parents that they can minister to that, that strain, that conflict, that estrangement between they and their stepchildren. God, you'll heal that. Holy Spirit, in homes and marriages where offense, wounded, wounded feelings are, instead of thrashing out and rehearsing all of the offense just to minister kindness to hit the reset button of kindness and build a healthy marriage again God grant it I pray God you'll identify what we need to do and how we can do it and as we minister kindness to other God We'll be the recipients of it and we'll be healed. Oh God, there's that person that feels that insult to the very core of their being. In fact, it's defined them. They rehearse that insult. As it were, it's seared into their spirit. 
Holy Spirit, heal them. Heal them. Take that, take that label off of them. Take that, that hurt out of the core of their spirit and minister, God, your, your grace and the very core of their being. I pray this, and I speak the shalom of God, the peace of God upon your people. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you for being with us. And put this to work when you go out to eat lunch today. Be kind to that wait staff. Would you do that? Smile to people. God bless you. Go in the love of the Lord.